0: Hey, guys, this is Corey Russell, and you're listening to our newest podcast here at Upper Room Dallas. I preached out of Matthew 24 and talked into the signs of the times and getting ready, the awakening of the Maranatha cry. Tune in. I know that's going to bless you. Bless you. Jesus. Can, can y'all keep standing for me? I, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. So <laughs> down. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? Um. How's everybody doing? That was beautiful, guys. Beautiful worship. I'm just in. I went in. And now I've got to climb on back out and talk to you guys. Um, that was beautiful. People get ready. Jesus is coming. <laughs> the Lord is gripping our community with the Maranatha cry. He's awakening the cry, come Lord Jesus, in in us. He has come, he is coming, and he will come. And it's really been something he's been doing in us for the last 10 months in a very special way. The Lord visited us in uh, February, March, and Aaron's dream about, you know, you can come, will you come, and how Jesus was engaged with the prayer coming out of this place. And we went into that Maranatha 40-day fast in the spring. And though we've just been leaning in on this word, God, as the Lord is rearranging things and awakening this cry on the inside of us. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, I, I just want to stay in this flow tonight. I, one of the last verses of the Bible, can we put Revelation twenty-two 17, all right? Let's go. All right? I want y'all to pull in on the word. Lord, we love you. Everybody say, the Spirit Spirit and the Bride bride say come. come. Let's do it again. The Spirit Spirit and the Bride bride say come. come. That's a prophecy about what we're going to look like before the Lord returns. Before the Lord returns, the Holy Spirit and the church will be in unity with one another. The church will be operating in a bridal identity. And the primary anointing resting on the end time church is the anointing of the spirit of prayer. Jesus is going to come back because we want him to. Think about that. Jesus is going to come because we want him to. Paul says this. I didn't say that this morning. 2 Timothy, I think it's 418. Paul said, my race is over. I'm about to receive the crown of life. But not me only. But all who have loved his appearing. Isn't it amazing? Can you put that up there just because i like to party? 2 Timothy 4.18. So tonight's message is going to be all the content. You need to take good notes tonight because this will be the content. You can talk to your family over Thanksgiving dinner. You can talk to them about the coming of the Lord and the great tribulation, the abomination of desolation. And you can just read it right off your notepad. Did you know Aunt Betty? That's the wrong verse. It's my fault. I don't know my verses. There's a verse that says, Paul says, I'm going to receive the crown of life and not me only, but all who love his appearing. Loving Jesus is appearing. And I believe that God is awakening this reality in our midst. He's awakening the cry come, the breakthrough prayer. God uses great, God's going to use great presence and great pressure to produce a great prayer. If you have pretty much two ingredients in your Christian walk, it's glory and it's gory, it's beauty and it's ugly, it's glory, river parties, and difficult relationships, difficult circumstances, lack of finances. God, I love you. And he wrecks you, and then you gotta go home. And you gotta look at that person that you have problems with. Or you gotta deal with that situation that you don't wanna look at. And the glory drives you to the glory, and they both drive you into Jesus. They drive you into Jesus. We wish we could just get rid of all the hard stuff and just bask in the river party. I love it, you love it, but that ain't reality. And that's not the full way that God's going to get you into your destiny. And God's going to do that. What he does for your life is what he's going to do for the whole globe. We are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit poured out all across the earth. All flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters prophesying. Great glory and great shaking and tribulation will touch the nations. And that pressure cooker will deliver the church from individualism, doing Christianity in your own strength, and isolation, doing it alone. We need God and we need each other. And presence and pressure deliver me from thinking I can do this alone and without you. It drives you into dependence on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I need you, Holy Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit. The Marinath the cry is growing and it will continue. And I just want to stay in this flow. I, I want to talk to you. The first part of that song that we love singing is Justice in the House Anywhere? You anywhere, honey? Whatever. She'll come around. <laughs> She'll just show up kind of like some angel, man. She's been showing up in our class. You know, she just kind of comes. And when she does, things just pop. And um The first part of that song, because it was written by Misty Edwards, where we spent 18 years in Kansas City. The first part of it, people get ready. Okay, it sounds nice. But that first part, I love it. But the first part is preparation in light of him coming. It's preparation in light of his coming. And the closer that we get to the coming of the Lord, we must begin to get prepared. We can't, I love the song, but we got to hear it. We got to hear it and let it do its work in us as we get prepared. I believe God wants to drop a word into the upper room world, a word into this world, and the word is urgency. Urgency. Intentionality. Urgency. Everybody say urgency. urgency. That might be a new word for some of you, and it might be let that feel scary. But I want to tell you, urgency is what gripped the first century church. And even more so now in 2021, should urgency lay hold of us. Urgency produces sobriety. Urgency produces sobriety. I love, I love being just filled with the Holy Ghost. But I live soberly and intentionally in this hour. I want to live intentionally. I don't want to live flimsy with my time, with my relationship, with my callings, with, my, uh, with the, the, the thing that God's put on my life and with the, the people that he has me with. I want to be intentional and I want to be urgent about the things of God. Urgent Urgency, when most people think of preparation, we mostly think of physical preparation. When I start talking in times, most of us start thinking, Toilet paper, guns, water. We mostly think physical preparation. And I'm like, hey, great, I need toilet paper. You need toilet paper. Get it. But the preparation that I'm mostly talking, that is not the way that Jesus told us to prepare for what's coming. He told us to watch and pray. He told us to watch and pray. Get your eyes open, get your spirit awakened, and get the anointing of prayer on your life. Pay attention to the season that you're living in. Discern the hour that you're living in. Don't buy into the secular narrative. Don't buy into the counsel of the ungodly. Don't buy into YouTube influencers. Don't buy into TikTok influencers. Don't buy into all of the counsel of the secular narrative, but begin to get a biblical narrative, biblical clarity, biblical understanding so that you can stand with confidence. Urgency is not some anxiety, frenetic, fear-based running around. I'm not talking about being frenetic or being urgent or being anxious. It's calculated intentionality. Calculated intentionality with my time, with my finances, with my relationships, with my life. I want to live intentional. y'all with me we're gonna go there anyway come on somebody (laughs) urgency it motivates a calculated change can you put daniel 11 32 and 33 daniel showed us a picture the greatest commodity as we come in to the the generation we're in that i believe we're at the beginning of the generation of the coming of the lord i want to say that to you i believe we're at the beginning And I believe there's probably some little whippersnappers. I don't know the timing, but I know that we're in that generation. I believe that there are clear signs in the earth. And I imagine some little power kids back here with their very own eyes are going to witness the coming of the Lord. Which matters how I raise my kids, how I live my life, and what we give to the next generation. I'm living, every generation is to live as if he is coming. But there's going to be a literal generation that will witness the second coming of Jesus. Do you believe that? Because Mary didn't figuratively give birth to Jesus. Mary didn't symbolically give birth to Jesus. Jesus didn't symbolically die. We just... We just took the blood because we believe in the e- efficacy and the potency of the blood of Jesus that was shed. It was real blood. It wasn't figurative blood. We want to we be real about all that stuff, but when it comes to the second coming, a literal Jewish man is going to step out of heaven and come back to the earth and rule over everything. See it. Change how you do Tuesdays and what you're about. That changes everything. And the greatest commodity in the coming days, I keep thinking about content is king. Understanding is king. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But look at this. But the people who know their God, they're going to be strong and they're going to do great exploits. The ones who are intimate and have history with God are going to be anointed by God and anointed with strength. Everybody say strong. Strong. And this strength is not some bravado, might in the human of power and ability. No, it's weak people who have traded in their weakness for his divine power and they're living out of communion with him. And his might has filled them and they're strong. Why? Because they took the decades preceding his coming and they did the labor of breaking through the cycles of fear and rejection and lust and envy and lies. And they broke through and they learned to live out of the overflow of his might so that when things began to shake, they had peace on the inside of them. I believe we're a, I don't know, a decade or two from it really getting intense. I believe this will be comparable to the roaring 20s of the 1920s. And I believe this decade is very important for the church. That we, it's time to kill that pet demon that you've been flirting with for 10 years. It's time to put to death that relationship that had kept taking you to the same place. It's time to begin to remove yourself from things, from substances, from people, from websites that have brought you to the same place. And it's a time to begin to run with like-minded people. Those who know their God are going to be strong and they're going to do great exploits. The John 14, 12, greater works than these. Great exploits. The ones anointed with power. God's going to take simple folk like us and release miracles through our hands. God's going to answer our simple prayers and release power encounters. Can you put Daniel 11.33 up there? Hallelujah. Look at this. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. The people who have understanding will be anointed and be given influence over many. When I read a verse like that, I picture Bible studies in homes. I picture Bible studies with children, FaceTimes with relatives, one-on-ones over coffee. I see open Bibles where you're walking people through Daniel and Isaiah Or you're walking people and you're going, this is what it says. This, And the Lord showed me this verse connects it with this. And you can see the picture about what Jesus is doing. That's what that's going to be. Because I'm here to tell you, as we get closer to the coming of the Lord and things start shaking. We've seen a just a little hiccup of this the last two years. When things start shaking, people start looking for answers. And there was such a theological vacuum. There's such a... Lack of clarity and a lack of biblical understanding that people buy into deception when they're looking for clarity to give answers to today's problems. I want to talk to you about the end times tonight. I'm going to have to do it quick. I don't want to keep you that long, but I do. I want to hit five misconceptions about the end times before we jump in. The first one is this. No one can know the day or the hour, so we don't need to concern ourselves. You're right. Jesus himself, will say it later in Matthew 24, no one does know the day or the hour. Not even Jesus himself. But do you know in the very same breath, the very next verse, he says, but as the days of Noah were, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus actually commands us to know the generation of his coming. Are y'all with me tonight? Which means this, you can't just play the, it'll all work out. I don't want to focus on that stuff. I want to put my head in the sand, and I don't want to worry about that stuff. The Bible commands you to discern the generation that you're living in. Number two, I just want to focus on Jesus. Do you have any clue that the last book of the Bible is not called the revelation of the Antichrist? Do you know that the last book of the Bible is not called the revelation of Satan? There, I, I, this is the picture I've been getting all week in preparation for this message. I believe that, and though we will be sustained forever on this 50%, we've been looking at a half-drawn picture of Jesus' face. His life, death, resurrection, ascension, and his high priestly ministry. And we've been absolutely blown away as we're looking at the glory of the crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, and intercessory ministry of Jesus. And we will forever be looking at that. But friends, there's another 50% that the Holy Spirit is knocking the veil off the church in this hour. And he is awakening the church to Jesus the bridegroom the jealous bridegroom the righteous king the king that is coming to rule on the earth Jesus is going to come and remove it uh, uh, revelation 11 says that at the seventh trumpet the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our lord and of his christ It's going to be a hostile takeover in a day. It's going to be the greatest transference of power ever. As all the kingdoms of this world are overthrown, removed, and God is going to put the meek of the earth, the faithful ones who have loved Him, in leadership over nations. Jesus will become the king over the whole earth. It's amazing. Isaiah 11 talks about the glory of this king. He's going to be anointed with the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He won't judge by the sight of his eyes or by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he will judge. Can I talk about the king? His delights in the fear of the Lord. This is the king that's coming, that we will have full trust in this king. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness, come on somebody, he will judge the poor. He's going to take care of the marginalized. He's going to fight for the poor. He's going to fight for the broken. He's going to decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He's going to fight for the underdog, for the ones that have done it in humility. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall. Let's keep going. Slay the wicked. Come on, Jesus. Oh boy, That was, come on, right? Come on. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins. Faithfulness the belt of his waist. And what's it going to produce? The animals are going to be hanging out with each other. We're talking about the millennium right here. The thousand year reign of Jesus on the earth. Jesus is going to return as king. And he will spend a thousand years and us who have been faithful in our small assignments in this age are going to be granted authority to rule and reign with him over cities, over regions. We're going to be given real callings and real mandates and real jobs in the millennium. You, you, who you are and the things inside of you are going to carry over. And your faithfulness with small things in this age is going to carry over. Those who have been faithful with little are going to be rewarded with much. Those who have been faithful with one city are going to be given five cities. It's, you're going to be given dominion and glory. And Jesus is going to see every little act that you have done and give you real authority. The real longings, the real skill sets. The real giftings. Alyssa is made to sing. Eniola made to sing. And other things that they do. Me, I got one string on this fiddle. I want to be in the house of prayer. And I want to do Bible studies. My prayer is that this Gentile is going to get into the house of prayer of Jerusalem. And I'm going to worship and do prayer meetings with Jesus and David. That's my vision for my life. I want to do prayer meetings with Jesus on the throne and David leading worship to Jesus. I'm not playing. There's another face of Jesus. The Holy Spirit's lifting. He's coming back as a bridegroom. We can talk about this for days. She touched jealousy tonight. The heat of his gaze that's going to confront every other lover. We're not going to be a harlot in the front yard. We're going to be a bride in the chamber. He's going to deliver us of the Laodicean spirit of compromise and apathy and lukewarmness. And we're going to fall in hot love with our bridegroom king. He's going to become our dream. He's going to set his seal of divine love upon our hearts. Set me as a seal upon your heart, seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. And I love this phrase, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man were to give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. You know what that means? The end time church will give away everything. And someone tries to come to them and say, man, that's awesome what you gave. And you go, Apparently, you don't have a clue who he is and what he's given. Anything that I could give is nothing compared to what he has given to me. The bridegroom, the king, and the judge. Friends, Jesus is a judge. And that's going to, I want to tell you, there are faces of Jesus as judge that awaken love and passion and longing in me that other faces don't. Jesus is going to come make all the wrong things right. Think about that. He is going to absolutely destroy all human trafficking rings. He is going to absolutely destroy every pedophile ring. He is going to destroy all domestic violence. He is going to remove all pain. He is going to remove where he's fighting for the meek and the, and, and the poor of the earth. That's what he's doing. And he's a judge. And out of love, he confronts everything that stands in opposition to love. His judgment is an outworking of his love. It's to remove the things that hinder love. That's why he judges and you want to judge. You want to judge personally. You want him for the sake of love. Lord, don't let me hang on to this porn addiction. Come confront it in me, Jesus. I'll cut it off. I'll get around people. But God, release your zeal and come work it out of my life. Help me. Oh, he's coming as a judge. All these faces. So when I just say I want to focus on Jesus, I say let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. I want to focus on Jesus. I love this man. I want all the nations to love this man. I want them to see him. I want his righteousness on the earth. I want his rule on the earth. And I'm here to tell you his dream for the earth is so much greater than the American dream. Whatever idea, if you're like, I'm okay if Jesus stays up there a little longer, I promise you, you don't want that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's more in the Bible on Jesus' second coming than his first. And God's going to awaken a church that's going to be caring about every detail that's going to prepare the earth for his coming First Peter 1.10 says that the prophets searched carefully Of the timing and of the manner by which Jesus was going to come the first time There it is Of this salvation the prophets inquired and searched carefully I be, That's when we talk about studying the signs of the times And studying the events leading up to Jesus' coming Some people go, well I don't want to focus on that stuff I just want to keep it simple Well apparently you're not in love Because if you're in love I picture it like this if you've ever had maybe a dad or a brother or a relative that's been at war maybe in Afghanistan for five years and you hear they're on their way home you're going to learn their flight plan you know you're going to know what city they're going to stop in and have a layover you're going to know how long that flight is so that you can get to the airport two hours before they get there you're going to study their whole journey so that you can meet them there You're going to pay attention to every every nook and cranny that the prophets have given us about His coming. It's not about getting lost in the weeds. It's about loving this man and wanting to know everything so that I can prepare others to get in to prepare as well. Hallelujah. Go ahead and turn to Matthew 24. I want to say this real quick. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He wants to put his fire upon your heart. And friends, if you hear end times and get afraid, he wants to release a baptism of love to cast out fear. And fear comes from confusion. Fear comes from uncertainty. But I want you to know, in the word of God, there's clarity. And it's for simple folk like us. You don't have to have 25 PhDs to understand the nuance of this Greek word or that one to be able to understand the end times. The Bible was written for people like us who can barely read. I can read good. All right, buddy, you're, you're a smart one here. Which means it means what it says and it says what it means. And where there's symbolism, it'll tell you it's symbolism. And then it'll tell you what the symbol means. The dragon is Satan. (laughs) I didn't need a PhD for that one. (laughs) All right, Matthew 24. This is Jesus' last public message. He would have preached this Tuesday of Passion Week. So really, Wednesday... Most scholars, nobody knows what happened on Wednesday. I think he's hanging out with Mary Bethany. I think he's hanging out in Bethany just chilling, saying it's so toxic right now in Jerusalem. I don't want to be there. <laughs> I'm serious. But Tuesday, he's, he's on fire. Which means so it would have been Tuesday and then Thursday would have been the Upper Room Discourse. So between this would have been the last public time before the Upper Room Discourse so in Matthew 23, Jesus releases seven woes on the Jerusalem, in the temple concerning the, the Jewish leadership. He's rebuking them. He told them. He wept over them. And he told them, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I believe they're on their way out of Jerusalem. In Matthew 24, verse 1, they pass by the building. They went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. The temple is everything. It's the center of all life, all culture. It is the speaking of God's presence in the midst of the nation. It is everything. All life revolves around the temple. And the disciples are going, Jesus, aren't these buildings beautiful? Isn't it amazing? And Jesus still fired up. Still got that Matthew 23 thing on him. He goes, "Do you not yet see all these things? Assuredly I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down." What Jesus is referring to right here is that in 40 years Rome will come in and absolutely destroy the temple. And that will begin the what's called the great diaspora, the scattering of the Jews all across the earth. Between 70 and about 135 there was just a, a, an absolute destruction. Of Jerusalem over a million people died and it was horrible Jesus is going to in the near refer to what's going to happen in 70 but yet then point his sights because they ask him a question look with me in verse 3 now this is important now as he sat on the Mount of Olives Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives he's sitting down and the disciples came to him privately everybody say privately so they're together, but yet they're having one-on-one talks with Jesus. I believe this is the way to grow in the end times message. Is by doing Bible studies with friends that are wanting to grow in understanding together. I want to. This is my charge to the Upper Room family: start Bible studies, Bible studies, and and prayer meetings, asking Jesus to walk you through the scriptures concerning his coming. And I promise you, he will show up in the little bit of understanding you have, the little bit, and you read verses, and this is what you do. What do you think that means? I don't know. What do you think it means? I don't know. Let's keep reading. I promise you, little week Bible studies like that, find a good book that that brings you into this, if it helps, if you just want to go through the Bible, do it. I sat in 10 years of backroom meetings and didn't understand most of what I heard. But I kept showing up. And I was hungry to understand. And I'm like, I don't understand it. How, I don't get, a, get my head around this. But, Lord, I'm going to keep showing up. And what do you know? 10 years go by, and all of a sudden there's a sense of clarity. There's a sense of insight and revelation, and it's not as daunting as the passage used to be. I promise you, if you'll just start on your journey, you'll blink and five years will go by. Let's keep going. The disciples asked him privately. They said, Jesus, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They asked Jesus about the end of the age. And Jesus is going to come right out the door and he's going to say, take heed that no one deceive you. Young people, listen to me. Kids, listen to me. The number one issue is deception. It's deception. And one of the great ways you live in deception is that you only believe in what your pastor tells you. You only believe in what your leader tells you or your mentor tells you. I want every one of you to get a Bible, open it up, and for you to go on the journey of reading it for yourself. Of coming into truth on your own. You can't live through my revelation. You can't live through Michael's. Matter of fact, if you can't see what I'm saying with your own eyes in the word of God, don't believe a word I say. Don't believe a word I say if you can't see it with your own eyes. That's how you get set free from deception is you own it. You got to own it. You got to fall in love with truth. Get in community. Let people rebuke you. Stay in the middle of the river, and that's what keeps you out of side tracks. Because people start talking in times, and then you end up on a conspiracy website. <laughs> Five minutes in, we're into a conspiracy website that has nothing to do with Bible and has to do with aliens or what happened here, who was behind 911, what was happening here, what's really going on with COVID, and you get lost in a thousand tangents, and it's the devil. It's the devil It's the devil distracting you From the word of God And from the Listen to me From the simplicity Of what the Bible says He wants to complicate this Confuse this And you get into a demonic swirl And I promise you It doesn't produce anything It avails to nothing Stay out of the weeds Stay in the word of God Take heed that no one deceive you. I plead with you young people, fall in love with truth. Fall in love with truth. Let truth dictate you. Do not try to dictate the Bible to allow you to live how you want to live. When the Bible gets up into your lust problem, surrender to the fire of his word. As it begins to confront things you want to do, surrender to the scalpel of the Word of God. That's dividing soul from truth, soul from spirit. I think it says in Thessalonians that because they did not receive the love of the truth, they were given over to delusion. That's terrifying. We are in a season of of falling in love with truth. (coughs) Let's do Bible studies. Let's go on this journey. Jesus will then walk through about 12 signs of the times. He calls them the birth pangs, the beginning of the sorrows. He says you will hear of rumors, wars and rumors of wars. Nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. There will be pestilences. There will be earthquakes in various places. Verse 8. These are the beginning of sorrows or the beginning of birth pangs. These have been true over all of history, but they've become more intensified these last hundred years. And I want to tell you the greatest sign that we are living in the generation of the Lord's return is the fact that Israel is a nation and that Jerusalem is under Israeli jurisdiction. This is the clearest sign. A nation that had been scattered, from, gone for 2,000 years, sovereignly planted back in the land, And Jerusalem underneath Israeli control now sets the stage for many prophecies and many things to occur. You've never known a day that Israel was not a nation. Nobody in this room, there might be some 90 year old guy back here somewhere, but everybody else, we've never known a time. Do you understand the phenomena and the magnitude of that reality? Jesus is going to talk about the beginning of birth pangs. And they're going to intensify. And I could walk you through with scientific data how every one of those have increased in measure, intensity, scope, and impact over the last hundred years. But that's not, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. Well, look with me in Matthew 24, verse 9. Jesus, we'll get y'all through this quick. Then, everybody say then. There are two emphatic time frames in Matthew 24, but there is a third one that's inferred. The third one is the beginning of the birth pangs are going to intensify and a real man is going to come on the scene. His name is called the Antichrist. He's called the beast in Revelation. He's called the man of sin in some places. Daniel sees him as the little horn. He's called the Assyrian. The Babylonian. He has different titles in scripture, but he is going to come. This man is going to come through diplomacy, intrigue, and he's going to make a covenant for a seven year period with Israel and Middle East nations. And during that first period, he will rebuild a temple in Jerusalem and will reinstitute the sacrificial system. This will be a sign to the prophetic church that we're moving now into the birth canal. Of the coming of the Lord. Many will buy into this. It will be a time of peace and safety. And it will be during that time. That there will be such syncretism. And the prophetic church will become enemies of the state. It will be during that time. That I believe we will see these verses take place. They will deliver you up to tribulation. And kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake martyrdom will increase then many will be offended okay they will betray one another when pressure ensues i mean i mean we can feel these realities getting ready for the holidays <laughs> offense betrayal luke literally says fathers betraying sons when What you're doing in the the life you're living is saying no to what's happening around the world. The things that begin to come forth, offense, betrayal, hatred. Verse 11, guess who shows up? False prophets. Rise up and deceive many. Verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, which means no regard for the law, it seems intense, look at this, the love of many will grow cold. Friends, we want to keep our love hot verse 13 but he who endures to the end shall be saved verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a I feel the fire of God gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come I want to make it very clear to you, in the middle of all these days, we are going to see the greatest revival in human history. A billion souls will come into the kingdom. The combine harvester will be flowing through the nations. As we see a billion souls come in, we're going to see the glory of God resting on the church. We're going to see the signs and the miracles of Moses, the signs and the miracles of Elijah, The book of Acts and the book of Exodus combined on a global scale. The gospel of the kingdom, forgiveness of sins, yes, but even more, there's a king that's coming, and he's coming with his kingdom. Forgiveness is the doorway into the house, and there is a house coming. It's called the Father's house, and it's coming to the earth. And that will be our message, the gospel of the kingdom healing, deliverance, greater works. Stadium Christianity. We had prophets way back in the days in Kansas City that had open visions, hundreds, where they saw well-known anchormen standing in front of stadiums saying, we have no news tonight but good news. And where they go into a stadium where the place is absolutely packed, And it says that the same worship team has been on stage for three days and three nights. They haven't had any food. They haven't had any change of clothes. And the glory of God is filling the stadium. (laughs) Miracles breaking out. All the stuff breaking out. I believe this will be that time. This is what we've been prepared for. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew 20. Y'all feel the fire. Matthew 24. 15. And then Jesus says, guys, then it's all going to go down. When you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, this event is referred to around eight times in Scripture. It is when the Antichrist stands up in that rebuilt temple declares that he is God, ends the sacrifice, puts up a statue in the temple and demands worship. People must take the mark of the beast to buy or to sell and whoever does not will become the enemy of the state. And at that moment, we will enter into the great tribulation. And those last three and a half years will be the birth canal, the crowning of the child as we see the glory of God. The third heaven. See, you've got to understand. For the great tribulation is when Satan, it's Revelation 12, loses his authority in the heavenlies and is cast to the earth. And he knows he has a short time. He has great rage because he knows his time is short. A couple of guys are going to come down and hang out with us for about three and a half years. Moses and Elijah. The two witnesses are going to come down and will prophesy in Jerusalem for three and a half years. (laughs) And they can't hurt them. That's going to be a massive encouragement to the church. We're going to be stoked with fire when you got these two guys on the earth. It will be intense. The rage of Satan, that's when the seals and the trumpets will begin to open up. It's not released on the church. It's released on the Antichrist kingdom as God begins to confront darkness in the nations. There will be martyrdom, but in the same way there was martyrdom in the book of Acts. When I read to you book of Acts, you're not mostly thinking martyrdom. You're thinking glory of God on the church. And the Stephen moments are the things that break through on the soul of (laughs) Tarsus. Book of Acts, where there's apostles in prison, but the church is in prayer. And angels show up and walk apostles out of the prison. That's Book of Acts. Holy Spirit, great tribulation. Go with me to uh, Matthew twenty-four, twenty-nine. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Uh, immediately after, everybody say after. It's a powerful word. After the tribulation of those days. Jesus is going to turn off the lights. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. Stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. He shuts the lights and then verse 30 ensues. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. What's the sign? It's him. That man will step out of heaven. Revelation 19 sees him riding on a white horse. Faithful and true is his name. He has a sword coming out of his mouth. Faithful and true on his thigh. His robe dipped in blood and all the saints and all the angels coming down with him. And it says, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming. On the clouds of heaven, I love this, with power and great glory. Verse 31 He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together. That's the rapture. They will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. He is coming. My bridegroom is coming. My bridegroom is coming. No, no. He's going to step out of heaven and come down. And he's coming to stay, friend. He's coming to stay. Not going to be some secret, gather some people, go back up, and then there's some weird other. He's coming to stay. He's, it says this literally several times that every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. As I read it, I'm convinced Jesus is going to do some kind of around-the-world procession. It's not just going to be some automatic, and everybody sees him in Asia, Europe, Africa. He's going to literally do a procession around the earth as his angels are gathering up his elect. He is going to manifest his glory and his superiority over everything, and he is going to descend to the earth and then he is going to make a procession up as he makes a journey up into Jerusalem where all the nations who have been deceived by the Antichrist are beckoning Jesus to come. And they have, they have littled the remnant of Israel into the corner. They've lost so many people and Jesus breaks in and destroys the Antichrist with the brightness of his coming, the breath of his mouth, The Bible says that he will put his feet on the Mount of Olives, the very mountain that he was giving this teaching on. He will put his his foot on the Mount of Olives, and it will split in two. This is Zechariah 14. And it says that the remnant will escape through that mountain valley. And Jesus will deliver the remnant. Zechariah 12 says that they will look on him whom they pierced, and they will weep for him. As one weeps for a firstborn, a whole nation will be saved in a day. A whole nation will be born again in a day. And Jesus will sit on his throne in Jerusalem where he will rule as king over the whole earth. Uh, Jesus gives us a few parables. He said, leaders, feed your people. Feed your people. Get people ready. Don't buy into the lie when I'm delayed that I'm not coming. Number two, be a wise virgin. Get oil. Buy oil. Focus on the size of your heart than the size of your ministry or your influence. Focus on the size of your heart more than the size of your 401K. Focus on the size of your heart more than your ministry platform or your calling, or your destiny, get the oil of intimacy. Get intimate with the bridegroom. He gives us a parable about stewardship. Work your gifts. Work, your, work the things God's given you. Don't be lazy. Don't hide it. Put it to work. Be faithful. He talks about setting on the throne of His glory in Matthew 25, and that nations will be gathered to Him. Some will be sheep, others will be goats and their sheep are goats based on their treatment of Israel during the great tribulation. Hallelujah. This is Jesus' last public message. These are his last words. Last words hold a lot of weight. Jesus told us to watch and to pray In Luke he told us this This is intense Can you put this up here and we'll pray for you Oh I love his presence I love the cleanness of sobriety And the fear of the Lord I love it Young people fall in love with the fear of the Lord It's clean It purifies you It sanctifies you It changes how you live Luke 21, 34. This is what Jesus says to us. He goes, take heed to yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day come on you unexpectedly. This is my advice to everyone. In this season, pay close attention to how you medicate your heart in pain. Because whatever you're medicating in the easy days, It's going to only become ratcheted up as we enter into more intense days. And young people, listen to me. It doesn't get easier the older you get. It actually becomes more concrete and settled in you and harder to deal with. This is high time to deal death blow to besetting sins in your life. This is high time to eradicate from your life those things that are weighing your soul down. You want to stay buoyant, light, and alert in your spirit. Verse 35, he says, It will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. No animal ever sees a snare. Watch, therefore, and pray always. Verse 36. Pray always that you may be kind of worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man. Let's stand. People ask me, well, what do I do? How do I respond to this message? I'll tell you what you do. This message, it validates and gives great value to my weak, mundane things that I do in my life. It makes the most of my relationships with my children, with my wife, with my finances, with my job. Making me understand that my work is not in vain. My labor is not in vain. And that God values weak stuff. Faithfulness is what moves heaven. Faithfulness is what moves heaven. Faithfulness is small. Because everybody's is relatively small. That's how you position your heart in light of His coming. Do the prayer meetings, do the Bible studies. Bring your cold heart before the bonfire of his love and watch in time the fire of his love tenderize your cold heart. Guys, he loves to take cold, indifferent, hard hearts and tenderize it and inflame it in his love. He's not intimidated by you. He's in a lot harder cases than you. So open up your hands I just want to pray for that fire I've been singing about the jealousy all night if there's anybody in here tonight who does not know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior you don't know him friend and you want to give your life to him lift your hand right now I want to pray for you alright now everybody else open up your hand We're going to ask for that fire's in the house tonight that tenderizing flame is in the house Uh, He's going to make it all right. He's going to make it all right. Every unjust thing that's been done to you, he's going to make it right. He is your advocate, and he's your judge. Spirit, we just honor you in this place. And I just pray that you would sweep across this room and that you would sweep over those that are viewing. We just say simply, Jesus, it's just us. And I want to, Holy Spirit, I want you to take me on a journey. Lift the veil off my eyes. I want to see Jesus as bridegroom to see Jesus as the coming king I want to see him as the righteous judge that fights for love tenderize this Holy Spirit let the baptism of love drive out fear let the baptism of love drive out fear there is no fear in love And he is good. He is good. He's safe. He's kind. But he's jealous. Increase your presence right now, Holy Spirit. Just all over the room, just lightly pray in the Spirit.